Good morning. I don't have a guitar to plug in, thankfully. I do request every time I preach this nice solid wooden lectern, and here's the real reason. There's a secret cup holder here, and as I am getting over some illness, I may be taking some sips from this water, and now I've got a place to put it. Huh? Free slick. Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm so glad that you all are here today. The fact that you are here today means you are the dedicated ones. You are the committed ones, the ones who don't mind coming to church when it's like only a worship service. So obviously you're the ones that don't mind if the preacher goes on for an hour and a half. So I thank you ahead of time for your commitment. Uh, For anyone visiting or watching online, I am neither the pastor nor am I the regular preacher. Our pastor, Jeremiah Smith, was supposed to be out today, but he's sitting right there. Maybe he's going to hold up like scorecards, Olympic style, depending on how I do. Uh, The reason I've been invited to uh, preach today is that I am a part of the backup preaching team. We're like a special forces kind of group. We get called in for the really tough preaching assignments. I think we need matching jackets. I'll uh, I'll bring that up at the next meeting. Uh, Again, my name is Kevin Lentz, and I've been a member of UBC for 32 years now. I grew up in Waco, and I moved here to attend TCU. I found Fort Worth was a great place to be, and UBC was a home. Uh, It was here that I met April, the wonderful woman who I am so blessed to be married to. She and I were married here in the chapel, and our son Peter was dedicated right here. This is our church. For as long as I have been here, I have worked with the children of this church. I have been a Sunday school teacher, a vacation Bible school leader, a camp counselor, a nursery worker, a missions teacher, a music teacher, a children's message speaker. I have been so blessed uh, to be allowed to help train up the children in the way they should go. In fact, I've been working on it for so long, I'm on my second generation of children. Uh, In my enriched kids class right now, I have two children whose parents I knew when they were children. Uh, This morning, Warren and Tricia both contacted me so we could coordinate the music and the children's message with the sermon, and they asked for the main topic that I would be speaking about. I have struggled to find like a short, punchy title for it, and I still don't have one. Um, I thought about small beginnings or call to action. Uh, On this paper right here, it says, a title to be named later. Uh, Unfortunately, the phrase, just do it, has already been trademarked by some company somewhere, Uh, but I want to talk today about the importance of doing things. It is New Year's Day, which is the perfect time for reflecting on the past and looking forward to the future. I like New Year's resolutions very much. My son's already confessing some of those out here to everyone. No sugar. That's what I'm working on. Uh, I make resolutions every year, and I find them to be a very useful way to remind myself about the things that I want to improve. I do think we need a better word than resolution, it's not bad, and it does convey, like, the resolve you want to have. But you ever, have you ever read a resolution, like, from the mayor's office or the city hall? Like, whereas we, the committee, having met together and discussed at length and thus duly recognize the importance thereof, hereby do affirm this resolution. It's a very sleepy language. Uh, we need a more active word, mm, like uh, declaration. Oh, wait, I think that one's already been done. People who wanted to know what the scripture passage I'll be preaching from this morning, uh, we're going to be bouncing all around the Bible today, but one point of focus in particular will be James chapter 1, uh, verses 22 and t- through 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
where he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Pray with me, please. God, we love you and we thank you for the beginning of a new year. Please make this a better year than the year before. Fill us with the strength of your purpose and the desire to not just hear your word, but to do it. Amen. In addition to the privilege of being asked to preach, I have also been honored by being ordained as a deacon here at UBC. Each month, the deacons meet together and they discuss what's going on in the church. We offer advice to the pastor. We hear from staff members about what God is doing in their lives. And I was able to share my testimony with the deacons a few months ago and tell them not only how I came to Christ, but also what's happening in my life right now. This morning, I'll give you a condensed version of my testimony and a more expanded discussion of things that to me seem increasingly more important. I have several ideas that may appear to be unconnected, but God willing, I can pull them all into a message that I have been praying will speak to you all. And yes, I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions. As for my testimony, it's a pretty standard one. I grew up in the church. Both my parents were highly involved. We were at the church at least three times a week. I made a profession of faith when I was 11 years old during vacation Bible school. Where it differs a bit is that I kept a secret with me for the next several years. And the secret was that I had only walked down to the front of the church and said I wanted to be a Christian because my friends were walking down too. In my head, I thought we would all walk down together and then later we would get baptized on the same Sunday together and and that would be cool. It wasn't until three years later when I was at my grandmother's house in Tennessee that I finally actually gave my life to God. It was a quiet night. I was alone in bed. And that night, I knew that what I had done before was not genuine and was done for the wrong reasons. That night, though, I realized that this responsibility for this monumental decision was mine, not my friends, not the fact that the pastor had done an altar call, not that it was the time of my life when I was supposed to make that decision. It was none of those things. My decision to give my life to Christ was my decision, made when I needed to make it and made because I chose to take on that responsibility. That responsibility was mine. As I mentioned, I came to TCU for college. I walked across the street to UBC, and I found a church home here. At TCU, I started out as a journalism major, uh, but soon I started paying a little closer attention to God's call for my life, and I switched to education. I was a teacher in Fort Worth ISD for 14 years, and here at church, I have taught so many things. I taught kindergarten and Sunday school with Betty Hall and Susan West for many years, many decades. I'm old. I talk about working with children a lot because it's a very significant part of my life. I truly do know that God has called me and equipped me to work with children, and I take the Bible verses very seriously that talk about our responsibility to children. We are called in Proverbs to train up children in the way they should go. The singers of Psalm 78 make the promise that they will tell the things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He's done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. When I was learning how to be a teacher, Uh, specifically a church teacher, teacher, someone shared a phrase with me that stuck with me, and it is, God does not have grandchildren. We've all heard the phrase, a child of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. 
Jesus tells us that we can speak to God using the familiar term Abba, like a child does with a parent. But the phrase God has no grandchildren means that the relationship any person has with God must be their own. You do not get to a personal relationship with Jesus through another person. It must be done by you. A parent can be a Christian, but that does not automatically grant that same status to their children. A child is not saved just because their parents are. Each person must make their own decision and take on that responsibility for themselves. This is a serious burden that all of us in the church bear. We have the responsibility to speak to the next generation and to tell them the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. We cannot just sit by and assume it will happen. Moreover, when you think about your own relationship with God, your connection to Jesus does not require anyone other than Jesus. It is a direct and personal relationship you have with the creator of absolutely everything. Jesus died for you. That gift of eternal life does not have to pass through somebody else before it gets to you. No, it is a direct bond between you and Christ. That's the realization I had when I was 14. And that realization is both joyful and sobering. It is so joyful that Jesus wants to have a relationship with me, directly with me. And it is sobering to know that I cannot take that lightly and expect someone else to do that for me. That responsibility is mine. The idea of responsibility, as you can tell, has been on my mind a lot this year. Well, last year. We're only a few hours into this year. I've been thinking about it often as I've become more aware of things that are happening in our larger faith community. Uh, In 2021, right here in this room, I learned about a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Raise up your hand if you have listened to it. Put them down. I need you all to listen to it. It's important. Uh, To give a very, very brief summary. It is an investigative podcast. It's put out by Christianity Today, and it covers the history of Mars Hill Church in Seattle. The lead pastor was Mark Driscoll, and the story is shocking. The story describes how the church got started, how it was successful, how it went completely off the rails, and how it imploded. It is well worth a listen, and it has had a huge impact on me. The podcast is well-researched and has interviews with many people from the church but also people who have studied the effects from the collapse of that church and unfortunately how often these patterns are repeated in churches everywhere. I started listening to more information from the other reporters that were mentioned in the podcast and reading more and more about how this type of behavior is not uncommon. It is sadly prevalent in many of our organizations. And around this time that I was really learning a lot was when the Southern Baptist Commission and Guidepost released their report on sexual abuse claims. When I listen to these podcasts and I read these reports, I think many people have a similar reaction. There are the very appropriate feelings of anger and betrayal, and running right next to those is the question, how could this have happened? If you spend time learning about these things, you'll hear people talk about church on two different levels. They talk about the church with a lowercase letter C, and that they mean the local church, your congregation in your city, in your denomination. And they also talk about the church with a capital letter C, And that is the church we are all a part of, no matter where we are. That's Christ's church, his kingdom here on earth. And the things that people do and say affect both the little C church and the big C church. How many people will never come to UBC because we're a Southern Baptist church? And they heard on the news that the SBC has been covering things up. How many people will never visit any Christian church because they heard all about the Catholic church scandals? 
How many people will miss out on the message of God's salvation? Because they heard a podcast about preachers and deacons and elders and governing boards that acted in reprehensible ways. How could this have happened? How did so many churches fall so far? How did so many people in positions of power end up abusing that power? They don't start off that way. I mean, there may be a few, but I cannot imagine that each of these churches that wind up on the news sat around in a business meeting and said, okay, let's make sure that we steal money and abuse people and lie about it and cover it up. Go, go put that on the website. We'll tell them that that's our plan. Let's see how many people we can get on board with that. They may not have started off that way, but they gradually drifted further and further away from God's plan and closer and closer to destruction. How? How? Wasn't there anyone in those churches who spoke up? Weren't there any voices who said, this seems like a bad idea? Surely there were, right? I don't know all the stories, and I don't know all the circumstances of all these churches, but I have listened to some of their interviews and some of their reports about the people who did dare to speak up. They spoke up, they stood up, and they tried to make things right. And for their troubles, they were shunned, they were ostracized, in some cases they were fired. Some people did try to take a stand, but that clearly was not enough. This is the conviction I've been feeling for the last year. I feel like I've been taking church for granted. I just assumed that any of the problems with church were someone else's problem. Someone else would take care of stuff like that. I could spend my time at my little C church, teaching in my room, and not worry about anything else. That's someone else's problem. And that is absolutely the wrong way to act. Who is supposed to fix these problems? Better yet, who is in place to prevent these things from happening? Who is there to keep the wrong behavior from ever even taking a foothold? And the answer is us. We are. This is our responsibility. People use the wrong language when they say, I go to this church. I attend that church. No, what you need to be saying is, I am the church. We are UBC. We are the church. That's one of the big things. We are also, the church of God is his message for how he spreads his love around the world to everyone, and we are that church. And we're supposed to be doing that. And that's not a task that we can hand off to someone else. That's our job. We are also fallen, sinful humans who constantly make mistakes and stumble into sin. And sometimes we willingly plunge headfirst into sin. And when that happens... We are the ones who are supposed to bring each other back in line. Yes, God can and will convict people of their wrongness, and he can use us to do it. This is a big burden, but it's one that we are called to bear. This responsibility is ours. Have you heard of the ship of Theseus? How about the New York Yankees? Okay, well, that one's easy. I promise. There's a connection with both of those and the church. <clears throat> the ship of Theseus is a thought experiment, and it goes like this. According to Greek mythology, Theseus was the hero who entered the labyrinth and, and killed the Minotaur. After he did that, he rescued some children, and they sailed away safely on a ship. The people of ancient Athens commemorated that event by keeping Theseus's ship, and each year they would sail it out on a celebratory journey. As the years passed, the ship began to deteriorate. And when a part of the ship became old or worn out, they would replace it with a new piece of wood and they would keep sailing it. After enough years, each piece of the original ship had been replaced with a new piece. 
So the question is, is this still Theseus's ship? I'm going to pause there because that's a big one. Is it? Philosophers debate this and have for years. Is this the same ship? Now, a little easier example to understand is the New York Yankees. They were founded in 1903, 120 years ago. No person involved with the Yankees at its founding is alive today. Each part has been replaced. Players, managers, coaches, ball boys. Yet the New York Yankees still exist as an entity and a formidable one at that. This year was their 30th straight winning season. Are they still the New York Yankees? That one's easier. You go, of course it's the New York Yankees. Now think about us, church. Unlike the Yankees and the ship, blessedly we have the power of God that has sustained us for 2,000 years. But generation of generation of the church have come and gone. From Pentecost until today, the church has been gaining and losing people over and over and over. Are we still the church? Absolutely. Of course we are. But see how things have drifted away. See how the joyous love of God's amazing gifts to us are being blocked and obscured by the horribleness of some people who claim his name. The New York Yankees maintained their excellence over the years because they work at maintaining their excellence. They do not sit idly by and assume someone else will do it. They are actively keeping themselves on track. What are we doing to keep the church on track? How do we maintain our excellence? How are we holding each other accountable? If I say something up here while I'm preaching that does not line up with the Scripture, call me out on it. Tell me where I have misstepped. If you hear me teaching something in the nursery that does not sound like it comes from the Bible, call me out on it. Speak to me in love, of course, but speak up. The more people speak up about the incorrect things they notice, the more we can pull ourselves back in line with what God wants from us. Now, what gives you the right to call me out? What right do you have to speak to me about where I mess up and disagree with me and ask me to work on improving? Here's the right you have. God's Holy Spirit that dwells in me is the same one that dwells in you. I don't have some extra God power that you don't have. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. Galatians 3.8, we are one in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Conversations that make us hold each other accountable are what keep our church healthy. They keep us on track. They keep us out of the evening news. Now, at this point, you might be saying, okay, Mr. Kevin, cool your jets. Isn't this a bit arrogant? This is God's church, right? He's the one in control, not us. He has the plans, and he is in charge. The Lord's Prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my will be done, right? Absolutely right. I am definitely not up here today saying, hey, everybody, do whatever you want. It's your church after all. No, that's the wrong message. When people do things like that, and they take it in their own direction, it leads to investigative podcasts. That's not where we want to be. I am asking us to more closely examine and discuss how we work towards what God wants. I'm talking about what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.9. He is addressing his concerns that the church is being split between those who followed him 
and those who followed Apollos. In verse 9, he reminds people, for we are co-workers in God's service. That verse can be read multiple ways. It can say that we are working together with each other, side by side, to bring about God's plan. It can also say that we are working with God, side by side with Him, to bring about His plan. I look at this verse, and then I look through the rest of the Bible, and here's what I find. God absolutely calls us to action. Our faith is not a passive one. It is not a relationship where we sit around and God handles everything Himself. Our relationship is active. It is hands and feet. It is feeding hungry and visiting the sick and sharing the good news. It is work. We are supposed to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. God tells us, I will knock down the wall of that city, Joshua, but you have to march around it. I will send manna from heaven, Israel, but you have to go out and gather it. I will heal Saul from his blindness, Ananias, but you have to go put your hands on him. I will save your family from this flood, Noah, but you got to go get a hammer. I stand at the door and the knock, but you have to open it. God calls us to action, and He calls us to action now. This is not something that's coming later. We can't delay this anymore. Now is the time. I will put on my teacher hat now. This is just a Kleenex, not a teacher hat. You can do these things. We do lots of things at this church, this little C church, and you can do those things. We are also the big C church, and you can do these things. For every one of these things I'm about to tell you, there are many levels of ability. Some people are great at these things, and some people are working on getting better, and some people haven't started yet. Some people are gifted by God to excel at these things, and some people will struggle at it. But just because you are not super awesome at it immediately doesn't mean you get to skip it. You need to try. So here you go. Here is your call to action. This is the New Year's resolution part. You are told to read your Bible. You are supposed to spend time in God's Word to read the stories and the history and the poems and the prophecies and the instructions. You can start small and read a verse a day. You can get apps that will send you daily verses and devotionals. You can work your way up to reading whole chapters and books. You can absolutely read through the entire Bible. It is a story of love, and it was written for you. Now is the time for you to read your Bible regularly. That responsibility is yours. You are told to pray. You are supposed to communicate with God, to talk to Him and to listen to Him. It may feel awkward or embarrassing or confusing. You may have had unpleasant past experiences with people telling you how to pray, but God hears you no matter what words you use. You can start small by saying short prayers or by reading pre-written prayers. You can set a reminder on your phone to talk to God. You absolutely can build a prayer life and speak with God more often, and He will hear you. Now is the time to pray. That responsibility is yours. You are told to worship. You're supposed to sing praises to God. You may not be able to sing well, or you may be embarrassed that you can't carry a tune, but you are supposed to be worshiping. You can start small by singing in the car by yourself, or singing where only God can hear you. You know who doesn't mind how well you sing? God. He does not hold your singing skills against you. Also, worship is more than just singing. 
You can talk about God's amazingness. You can create art to tell of the wonderful things He's done. You can absolutely worship and praise God. Now is the time to worship. That responsibility is yours. You are told to give. You are supposed to share your time and money with the church and to recognize that the resources you have are a gift from God. You can start small by skipping a coffee a week, by asking someone to help you set up your giving app, by making a piggy bank together as a family. You absolutely can give your money to God, and He will sustain you. Now is the time to give regularly, and that responsibility is yours. You are told to tell others about Jesus. You are supposed to share the good news of this immense blessing. You may want to immerse yourself in different cultures or travel around the globe, or you may want to be witnessing to your neighbors or to your coworkers. You can start small by telling people that you go to church and that you learned something from the Bible and that you have praise on your lips. You can make yourself available to listen to others and tell them what you are learning about God. You absolutely can tell people about Jesus, and God will be by your side when you do. Now is the time to share the gospel with others, and that responsibility is yours. You are told to be involved in your local group of believers, your little C church. Here at UBC, you should encourage others, spend time together, pray for each other, fellowship together. You can start small by coming to something, maybe Sunday morning, maybe a D group, maybe a fellowship time. You can even dial into business meetings, and you can join the discussion, and you can vote about how we manage ourselves. You can absolutely help make this church be the thing that God intends it to be. Now is the time for you to make UBC a better place, and that responsibility is yours. You are told to be a part of Christ's kingdom here on earth. You are supposed to be the way that other people see Christ lifted up throughout the world. You may not have ever thought about connecting with believers from other countries or other denominations, but you can. You can read about them. You can learn about them. You can share their stories with others and share your stories with them. You absolutely can work hard to keep God's church on track. Now is the time for you to make the entire church a better place. That responsibility is yours. Now, because this is the, only the first day of the year, I'll stop here <laughs> because this is a lot of stuff. It's also only the beginning. Start small. Definitely start, but it's okay to start small. Next, you build up and you get stronger. God calls us to do more. He calls us to go deeper. He calls us to greater and greater acts. And thankfully, He promises that He will be with us always. All the work, all the struggles, all the joy, He's there with us. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down and He won't leave you. We're expected to work. God does miraculous things for us, and He also does miraculous things alongside us. And for that co-working to happen, we have to work. 
We must be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you are like a person who looks intently at your natural face in the mirror. You look at yourself and you go away and you at once forget what you look like. As you go away today, do not forget what you look like. You are the church. And God's calling you to action. Join me in prayer. Lord, help us, because this is a lot to do. Give us the strength to be more active for you. Give us insight to see the ways that we can help make things better. Give us discernment so that we are seeking your will and not ours. Light a fire in us, Lord, so that we may grow closer to you. Shape our lives and our minds and the hours of our day so that we may grow to be more like you. Help us all to see ourselves in the mirror and always, always remember who we are. We are your church. Amen. Our deacons come forward at the end of our service. And here's a great chance for you to start small. They come in front and they stand here so that they can pray with whomever needs it. And not many people come forward because it feels odd and it's a little uncomfortable. However, we are called to be together and to lift one another up in prayer. And this is the way we want to do that here at our church. And now is the time to start.